So our psalm is 84, Psalm 84, we're considering this morning. It's a psalm that's for the director of music, and it's of the sons of Korah. Just a a little intro into this psalm before we read it. Um, On the, the sons of Korah, I'm sure many of you may have studied that before, but just in case some of you haven't there, the sons of Korah. Uh, Korah was a Levite. He was given responsibility amongst the people of Israel when it came to uh, the tabernacle and erecting it and dismantling it and the services that went on in the in the uh, tabernacle before God. But Korah was a man who was one of the ones who got a little bit above himself and began to question why uh, Aaron was given the job of high priest and why Moses was given the job of leadership and whom God spoke to. And really, weren't all the people of Israel holy? weren't all the people of Israel God's people and he came forward and along with some others and questioned the whole thing it's it's worth just sort of spending a few minutes just contemplating that because we're talking here about the sons of Korah and why are they mentioned as such what was important about what Korah did And what Korah did was to question God, was to question God's plan. And it's something that we can learn a lot from because when God took the people of Israel out and took them to Mount Sinai, he wanted them to be his people. He wanted them to love him. He wanted to love them. He wanted to lead them. He wanted to guide them. He wanted to teach them. And we know from all the experiences that constantly the sin in man kept questioning it why we're like that today of course you know we things we question you know it's why do we do certain things why do we have to do this it's often a common question amongst ourselves isn't it why do we do it this way you know god isn't there's an easier way i mean it's we, we question it in such a way that we're almost saying to god that you don't probably realise God, but we've moved on. We're, we're now much more intelligent people and we don't need things that uh, are old-fashioned. We, we, we've found easier ways. <laughs> and of course, it's not until you, you stop and you think about it. <laughs> we're dealing with God here. And when you see how God dealt with Korah, who had the audacity to question God, or he questioned Moses and Aaron, which was questioning God, because Moses and Aaron were doing what God said. And they said, no, why are you doing it this way? And God was angry. And the story which you you read about in Numbers, in Numbers 16, you can read the whole account there, that um, God told Moses and Aaron to separate from these rebellious people let them take censers and to bring the censers within sense 
to come before God and God's presence came down and God showed them and they said really I have chosen whom I have chosen and I have decreed a way that you will worship me and these people who want to do it differently we will show them what we th I think of them and the quick thing was the ones in whom the ground opened up and swallowed them would be the ones that God was showing his displeasure to and that's what happened to Korah the ground opened up and he went I'm going to say alive into death <laughs> he died and all 250 of his followers but the interesting thing is you read in Numbers 26 that the children of Korah didn't die and of course here we come to a psalm of the sons of Korah and it's always I think a, I get a lovely picture of them uh, as people who must have watched that watched what happened to their father or their grandfather and we don't know how much later this psalm was I mean how many generations of Korah's offspring had uh, come about by that time by this time but they were a people who were very aware of the presence of God and when we read this psalm together I think it's worth us just considering that, that as we read the psalm they are a people remember whose father or grandfather had been had the audacity to question God and had paid the price and they had not been rebellious they had not had a grudge ever since but they were a people who loved the things of God loved the presence of God loved the house of God and so whether they actually wrote this psalm or whether they just were responsible for um, producing the music and singing it they had a part in it so that's why I want to look at this psalm thinking of the sons of Korah and their part in this psalm and how they felt about this psalm whether they actually penned it themselves or not we don't know a lot of people think it was David that did it but gave it to the sons of Korah to give, put music to it and to sing it but however it was the sons of Korah are mentioned and it's important if it's mentioned in the word of God there's a reason for it and it's up to us to suss it out and to think about it so let's read the, the psalm together <clears throat> how lovely is your dwelling place O Lord Almighty my soul yearns even faints for the courts of the Lord my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young, a place near your altar. O Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Selah. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs, the autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength. 
till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, O Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, O God of Jacob. Selah. Look upon your shield, O God. Look with favour on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favour and honour. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. O Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. This psalm is broken up into three parts. Um, but there's also three blessings or three blessings uh, mentioned in it. The, the first one is in verse, verse 4 where it says, Blessed are those who dwell in your house. The second one is in verse 5. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. And then the third one is at the end, verse 12. Blessed is the man who trusts in you. This is also a psalm of ascents. Um, it, these are the psalms you've heard this said before from here at this platform. But the song of ascents was, were so, psalms that were sung uh, when the children of Israel were going up to Jerusalem to worship. And this fits into that. Because we never really know exactly in history when this was, the psalm was written and when it was um, meant for time, it could have been when all of Israel were in the land and they were going up to uh, Jerusalem. And the, the journey that took place and going there uh, is referred to in this psalm. It could have been when after Israel had gone into captivity and it was just Judah. Or it could even have been when they had gone into captivity and they were longing to go back. Or at the end of the 70 years captivity in Babylon when they were going back. So these are all timescales that, that, that could have been. Um, but the, the, the purpose of it uh, is pretty evident is the joy that the psalmist had in thinking about the dwelling place of the Lord God. I think in our more recent history we can some of us can relate to the journey about going to the presence of God. Um, I, I'm young I'm young enough I'm old enough to remember uh, the town that I was brought up in where people walked to church. And it's not that long ago. <laughs> um, before everybody had cars and before everybody lived miles away, um, ten churches of God, in, 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 or at least the ones that I was aware of in Scotland, uh, tended to be communities. And when you went out, I can still remember as a young lad going, walking with my parents and meeting other people going to church. Not always our church, but uh, going to church, whether it's a Catholic church or the, the Church of Scotland or the Methodists or whatever. And you'd meet your friends and you would expect that everybody was going. They were all going to worship their way. But you would even meet your own the people in the Church of God. And we would 
and it's funny these these things stick in your mind and um, as a child of course it was always good fun uh, when this psalmist is talking about this journey it was good fun but when the Lord Jesus was here remember as a boy of 12 the whole story was centered around them coming a distance from Nazareth journeying to up to Zion and walking through the valley of Baca that is a desert so the, 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 the journey would have been tough but the psalmist here is talking about them that because of what they were about to do because of what they were going forward for what was in their minds and their hearts the hardship of the walk or the hardship of going through a dry arid desert was like the Lord providing pools of water and so you don't remember the hardships because you're together and you're joyful because you're going to the presence of the Lord. I just felt really just worth mentioning that because it's a whole concept of this psalm, I think, helps us to relate to our own personal feelings about going into the presence of God. What we did this morning is it's the onus is on us to be like the psalmist is saying that although we're talking about a different setting we're talking about an old testament setting it's no different going into the new testament setting in the spiritual worship that the physicality that the psalmist is talking about here we can relate to surely mentally and spiritually that should we not be gearing ourselves up, even although they were only doing it three times a year? And maybe we're going into the presence of the Lord as a collective people once a week, maybe twice a week, occasionally three times a week, <laughs> but regularly, more frequently, which sometimes can be a negative because it becomes just something automatic and really to read this psalm and to say how lovely is your dwelling place my soul yearns even faints for the courts of the Lord my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God which one of us on a Sunday morning getting into our car and driving here feels like that which one of us, as we come in and we sit down and we're waiting on whoever's on the door coming in saying we're about to start, are sitting there longing, yearning to go into the presence of the Lord with our offering. And that the whole journey, which some people talk about, well, when do you start preparing for a remembrance? Well, the end of the last one <laughs> but whenever whatever your preparation is is it like that the blessed one here is our blessed are those who dwell in your house we have a tremendous privilege because we have been called into the house of God not everybody has and I think rather than dismiss it 
and make it think as it will. Who are we to make such claims? Um, who are the children of Israel to be God's people? What was wrong with the Egyptians or the Mongolians or the British if they were around at that time? And you think, well, God calls people because he has a desire and he wills it that you will come together to be a priesthood. It was just like Korah questioning God. What, what, why should God choose him? Who is Aaron really? I mean, and why did God choose the, the Levites to be the ones that handled the things of God? The answer is we don't know. God chose. It's God's prerogative because he is the great creator. He is God. So therefore, when it says, blessed are those who dwell in your house, it's almost like the, the sons of Korah thinking back to what they, their father had challenged God and saying, who do you think you are, God, by doing such things and making uh, a decree or making uh, uh, responsibilities like that and giving them to certain people and not to others? Why? not fear. Is God not fear? Who are we to question God? So really when it comes here, blessed are those who dwell in your house. Why can we not look at this as a great honour that we've been called to be a priesthood, to give collective service, which enables us to be privileged, to feel privileged and not to question why has God done this? What about all these other good Christians out there who are surely, many of them, better than us, living better lives? That is maybe the case, is the case. But God wants a people. He wanted Israel. He wanted the Levites. He wanted the sons of Aaron. And he had responsibilities for them. And he's called us and he's given us responsibilities to be the people of God, to go into his presence as a collective people. And we read about that in Hebrews 10 and in 1 Peter 2, where we are asked or we are commanded. And therefore, once we've accepted that, then blessed are those who dwell in your house. And the dwelling is a big word there. Because dwelling is not coming here to this building once or twice a week. Dwelling in the house of God is being about the things of God and recognising our priesthood service, which is continuous. And our responsibility is before God in our role as being part of the people of God and preparing and handling the things of God to such a degree that we just feel our soul yearning and enjoying. And so it ceases to become a burden. You've got to do this. If you don't do it, people wonder what you, where you are. And when you come, it's like looking at your watch and thinking, how much longer is this meeting going to go on? Or how long is this brother praying for? You know, and you start thinking of the negatives. Is that yearning for the thing? We're in the presence of God. 
our great high priest is taking these prayers that are maybe difficult from some of us and he takes them and he presents them to his father in heaven perfect therefore why have we not got more confidence <laughs> about speaking to God because our words are full of flaws and full of difficulties problems and stutters stutterings and hesitations and inaccuracies but our great high priest doesn't give the inaccuracies or the, the stumblings to God it's presented perfect that's who he is and that's who we worship the second one is blessed are those whose strength is in you made me think about Paul when he says um, when I am weak then I am strong it's again it's, it's a picture of emptying ourselves and we are blessed when we recognise that any strength we have whatever we might be good at whatever praise we might receive from our fellow um, beings around us it is recognising that it's not me that my strength comes from the Lord and so any strength that I have is his and it's got to be seen as that and therefore we don't look or we shouldn't be looking for self praise or looking to laud ourselves above like Korah wanted to do he wanted to be the front he wanted to be the big man he wanted to be the high priest he wanted to assert himself and take the role of Aaron that God had given to him but blessed are those whose strength is in you and then the third one is blessed is the man who trusts in you made me think that when I was out in Australia um, Ross, my son had constantly picked up this Australian thought of no worries everything was no worries it made me think that you know that's really how we should live as Christians, that's how we should live as the people of God with no worries well blessed is a man who trusts in you, if we are genuine that we trust God then why do we worry? It's um, it's mentioned later on, you know. In fact, I'll, I'll just read this. It's in, in Psalm 115. Uh, <clears throat> and there's a few verses, verse nine to eleven. So Psalm 115, nine to eleven. I hope this isn't one of the ones that's coming up later. <laughs> I'll, I'll read it anyway. <clears throat> 115 verse 9 O house of Israel trust in the Lord he is their help and shield O house of Aaron trust in the Lord he is their help and shield you who fear him trust in the Lord he is their help and shield the shield I'm just going to talk about in a minute but the You've got the three things, the house of Israel, where all the people of God trust in the Lord. 
the house of Aaron, that was the priesthood. You trust in the Lord. And then it says, all you who fear him. And that goes right into the Gentiles. That's all of us in the body of Christ. Trust in the Lord. Because he is our help and our shield. The desire and the longing, I just want to just um, emphasise again, is really for us all to meditate on and to see if we are missing something. If we are finding that our gatherings, our worship is not what we want and we start either skipping them or we either start think looking elsewhere or whatever, that's not God's fault. That's our fault because we're not appreciating what we can get. I've just written down here also just um, when we're thinking about our attitude to God and his presence and his place was just to think about the Lord Jesus Christ going into the temple. And if you remember when he saw what was going on in the temple, that there was merchandise being sold uh, and people were using it as a business. And again, some people might have looked on that and said, what was wrong with that? I mean, you, you need animals to sacrifice, so why, why not have, be able to buy them there? And, and then it makes life easier. But the Lord's reaction to it was, was blatantly clear. He was absolutely distraught with anger that he overturned tables and chased them out. And it says that his, the disciples remembered the psalm, that the zeal for your house, the zeal for your house has eaten me up or has consumed me. That was a picture of a man, albeit the son of God, the son of man and his relationship to the presence of God to go into the temple to go into the presence of his father as he did as a boy of 12 longing for it here he was as a man of 30 going in there and seeing what was going on around him just so upset him that is how we should be about the presence of God that is how we should because we're following that man the Lord Jesus Christ is our leader. He's the one who goes before. We follow him. That's how he acted about seeing what was going on in the house of God. Should we not be reacting the same way? To look upon our shield and to trust in the Lord, you're getting this picture of the Lord, when he presented himself to the people of Israel, that there was a pillar of cloud and there was a pillar of fire. And that's all I say, is the light and is the shield. The cloud gave them protection from the sun, didn't burn them. And the fire at night in the desert, it gets very cold. And so that gave them warmth. There you're seeing the difference two things that God looks after us all if we trust him if we trust him we look upon 
his face. The <coughs> What's the verse now? Yeah, verse 9. Look upon our shield, O God. Look with favour on your anointed one. Who is the anointed one? The anointed one is a Messiah. That's what Messiah means, the anointed one. Look with favour on your anointed one. Why did he think that's put in there in this psalm? It's because we are in Christ. And if God is looking with favour on his anointed one, he is looking with a joy. He is looking with great love at his son, the son of man, in whom we are hiding behind, in whom we are in, and we come to God. We are in Christ Jesus. And if God is looking with favour on his anointed one, he's looking with favour on us. And therefore, he is our shield. So he was leading into this better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord is a sun and a shield. Let me get back to the sun and the shield again. Back to the warmth and the protection of the picture of God. So this psalm is all about the presence. It's all about understanding the glory and understanding our position, our responsibilities. Can we truly say this? Is this what we can say that one day in your courts, just being in your presence is just so joyful that I would long for that rather than anything else in this world? It's a challenge, isn't it? Because this world provides so much for us. There's so much we can enjoy in this world. And you might say, there's nothing wrong in that. There isn't in many ways. But when it takes over, when it becomes more important than the things or the courts of the Lord, when it becomes more important than being in his presence and enjoying his handouts, his goodness, his mercy, then we've got it wrong. Because we know things of this world are only temporary. What we can get from the presence of God and enjoyment is far, far greater. Grace and glory or favour and honour depends. Um, nothing is withheld from God that's good. And that's again comes back to trust. Because if you trust God and you trust that you, you believe that verse, No good thing does he withhold from those who walk in his blameless. If you believe that, then you believe that what God gives you is far greater and more powerful and more precious than the things that this world can give you. Do you believe that? Because if you believed that, if I believed that, it would reflect my life. It's a challenge <laughs> and it's just one that I want to leave with it for all of us, of course, uh, but no good thing. And what is a good thing? It's him. It's all about him. It's all about God. And it's all 
our appreciation and our understanding of what the enjoyment of being in his presence, the enjoyment of knowing we belong to him, and the appreciation of our eternity. I'll leave it there, shall we pray?